0: We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information.
1: From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's
0: fun, it's your Catholic
2: Drive Time.
3: Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise! of Jesus Christ, welcome
4: back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Wednesday, July the 13th, 2022. We have a lot to cover today. In fact, Timothy Flanders, the meaning of Catholic, or the editor at 1 Peter 5, is going to be our guest at 35 past the hour to talk about this story that broke. I think it was maybe late last week or early this week. There was a a bishop in the Eastern Orthodox who baptized a baby from a first openly gay couple in, uh, in Greece. And we're going to talk about that. Is the Eastern Orthodox Church making the same mistakes that the church is making in the West? What does this mean? And that and a lot more coming up with Timothy Flanders. At 35 past the hour, 15 past the hour, John Lillis from Lifeboat Coffee is going to be our guest. Uh, He is a survivor of the abortion era in our country. In fact, his his mother suffered uh, a rape and had the difficult decision of saving the child or or aborting the child, and he was allowed to live. And he has given his life to the cause of pro-life, and he has a company based on that. We're going to talk to him about that company and why it was attacked recently. All of that coming up at 15 past the hour. And if you can join us at the top of the next hour, we would surely love to have you, of course. David L. Gray will be on at the 705 or 805 Eastern talk about what the Pope said recently in an interview with Univision about Joe Biden and his uh, conscience, his pastor, and abortion. All of that today on Catholic Drive Time. Share us with a friend. Uh, So there's so much to talk about. Of course, yesterday, Taco Tuesday was trending on the interwebs when uh, the First Lady, Joe Biden, made a comparison to Latinos and tacos. Um, Didn't go over well. Uh, A new video was released, a horrific... Video was released, the footage in the hallways of the school in Uvalde, and the shooter gaining access, the 911 call, and what the police's response was there. It's pretty horrific to watch. It was gut-wrenching. I don't recommend it. But uh, let us continue to pray for those that are suffering the loss, the grave and terrible loss in Uvalde today. Uh, half of the chapels of light at Our Lady of Lords Shrine in France were destroyed by fire uh, uh, somewhere between uh, July 10 and 11. And although the fire was brought under control, the report that I read gave no indication if it was an arson or just arbitrary. I don't really know. I pray it's, I pray it wasn't arson, but I have no idea either way. But uh, grateful that it didn't destroy more. And in Sri Lanka, of course, they are declaring a national state of emergency as their president, uh, Rajapaska uh, fled to the Maldives. Now, the prime minister took over, but they want him gone too. Uh, and guess what? All of that started with the Green New Deal in Sri Lanka, and they began to starve and to lose their fuel, and the, you know fertilizers were being blocked at first. So it's kind of like the Dutch farmer deal, um, and it's a, a very sad state of affairs. We'll have some more guests on to talk about that and more. In the coming days and weeks, here on Catholic Drive Time. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. How do I follow this depressing uh, mm-hmm. string of mm-hmm. news you just gave? Me? Well, you're going to give all good news today. Oh, is that right? Did you get the memo? Oh, I, I must have. Pretty sure dang, I, I didn't get that. I left one. three copies of it in your in your mailbox. I have a mailbox? You you don't know that you have a mailbox? No. Wow. Wow. Huh. You got to check the break room. Oh. Where, oh. your, where your mailbox is? Oh, okay. Is that? Do you know where the break room is? Do I have a locker? <laughs> well, <laughs> this is getting more and more interesting by the moment. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, Adrian. I didn't realize
3: that we had any of this. Or is that just me? No? I don't get any of this. <laughs> you don't have a, There's a lot of memos in your box.
1: If you're telling me <laughs> you've not read any of
3: them, um, it's been a year and a half at this point, <laughs> and I have yet to see my mailbox interesting mm-hmm. uh-huh. i also have yet to see the break room either <laughs> wait was, it's a break room you i was just told just now when i served in the marine corps we had to sign for our memos
4: this guaranteed that we saw them at the very least a red receipt <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was, we had to sign like get a physical paper we had to like say i have received this memo there you go well, uh, praise be to God. Nonetheless, it's going to be a good day. There's still a ton to get into today. It's going to be a great show. Let me just remind you, if you have not done so already, uh, to check out our after show, which is the second half of our second hour. Um, and we are live streaming on several platforms. And I just want to say big special shout out this morning to our CDT insiders over on Telegram. We love hanging out with them. Praise be to God. Damon, good morning to you. Uh, Thanks for being on with us, Joshua Null, Tammy Marbury, our friend from Florida. God love you guys. Uh, If you want to hang out with us and interact live directly, make sure to hang out on one of the live video feeds in the second half of the second hour. You can find them all linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's pray. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear And answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good
5: morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, July 13th, and here are your headlines this morning. This one's from Breitbart, and the headline goes, Global Food Crisis, EU border, force, EU border Force Bracing for Waves of Mass Immigration as Global South Goes Hungry. Frontex, the European Union's Border and Coast Guard Force, is reportedly bracing itself for a renewed wave of mass immigration caused by food shortages resulting from the Ukraine war. One of the world's main exporters of food destined for the developing world, Ukraine has struggled to export any of its agricultural produce since Russia's recent invasion of the country earlier this year, destabilizing food supplies for much of the world's most vulnerable as a result. For farmers fortunate enough to even be able to get their crops out of the ground, it remains completely unclear how many will store their bounties, let alone how they will manage to transport it uh, to paying customers and those in need. The Daily Wire reports, not limited to male or female, World Health Organization updating sex definition. The World Health Organization is updating its gender mainstream manual to include new wording that states sex is not limited to male or female. The organization said in a news release that its updates focus in part on going beyond non-binary approaches to gender and health to recognize gender and sexual diversity, or the concepts that gender identity exists on a continuum and that sex is not limited to male or female. The Epic Times reports Euro comes a whisker off parity versus dollar at a new 20-year low. The Euro fell on Tuesday, almost touching parity with the dollar, a threshold not crossed for two decades, weighed down by the likelihood of a recession triggered by an energy crisis and a European central bank rate rise campaign that lags far behind that of the Fed. And Reuters reports, United States supports Canada's decision to return turbine to Germany. The United States supports Canada's decision to return a repaired turbine to Germany that is needed for the Nord Stream 1 gas pipeline, which pumps Russian natural gas into Germany. The part had been stranded in Canada and Germany couldn't get it back due to sanctions on Russia. In the short term, the turbine will allow Germany and other European countries to replenish their gas reserves, increasing their energy security and resiliency, and countering Russia's efforts to weaponize energy, department spokesperson Ned Price said in a statement. And those are your headline news this morning.
3: God love you. The saint of the day is King St. Henry II. Emperor called the Good declared the patron saint of the Benedictine Oblates By Pope St. Pius X, he was probably born in Heidlsheim, Bavaria, Germany, on May 3rd, 973. His wife was St. Cungundis, and St. Herzbert was his chancellor. A patron of the Benedictines, he was crowned Holy Roman Emperor by Pope Benedict VIII. He was also miraculously cured by St. Benedict. Tradition states that Henry wanted to be a Benedictine and lived as an oblate. Since his father had rebelled against two previous emperors, the young Henry spent long periods of time in exile, where he turned to Christianity at an early age. First finding refuge with the Bishop of Freising, and later during his education at the cathedral school in Heidelberg, the emperor himself ensured the younger Henry received an ecclesiastical education, in order that by becoming a religious official, he would be prevented from participating in the imperial government. He succeeded his father as Duke of Bavaria in 995, as Henry IV. As a Duke, he attempted to join his second cousin, Emperor Otto III, in in suppressing a revolt against imperial rule in Italy in 1002. Before Henry II could arrive, however, Otto III died of a fever, leaving no heir. After defeating several contenders to the throne, Henry II was crowned King of Germany on the 9th of July 1002. Unlike his predecessor Otto the 3rd, who had imposed plans on sovereign administration and active political involvement in Italy, Henry spent most of his reign concerned with the renovation of the imperial territories north of the Alps. A policy summoned up on the seal as Re- Renovatio Regni fracorum which replaced Otto's Renovatio Imperial Romanorum. A series of conflicts with the Polish Duke Boleslaw, the first who had already conquered a number of countries surrounding him, required Henry II's full attention and years of political and milita- military maneuvering. Henry did, however, lead three expeditions into Italy to enforce his feudal claim, twice to suppress secessionist revolts and once to address Byzantine attempts to obtain dominance over southern Italy. On the 14th of February, 1014, Pope Benedict VIII crowned Henry Holy Roman Emperor in Rome. The rule of Henry II has been characterized as a period of centralized authority throughout the Holy Roman Empire. He consolidated his power by cultivating personal and political ties with the Catholic Church. He greatly expanded the Ottonian uh, the dynasty, customs of employing clerics as counterweights during secular nobles. And through donations to the church and the establishment of new dioceses, Henry strengthened imperial rule across the empire and increased control over ecclesiastical affairs. He stressed service to the church and promoted monastic reform. For his remarkable personal piety and enthusiastic promotion of the church, he was canonized by Pope Eugene III in 1146. King St. Henry II, pray for us.
4: Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 27. At that time, Jesus exclaimed, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. For although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal Him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Haydock's commentary said, Jesus gives thanks to His Heavenly Father because He had revealed the secret of His coming to His disciples, who, according to the false opinion of men, are called children and fools, and had hid it From the scribes and pharisees whom he in ridicule calls the wise and prudent by this prayer he also begs that his heavenly father would complete what he had begun in his apostles close quote haydock commentary ignatius catholic commentary points out jesus's thanksgiving prayer stands in contrast to the preceding narrative verses 20 through 24 while several towns reject christ there is a remnant including the disciples who trust him with the simplicity of infants the intimacy between the father and the son points to their oneness with the blessed trinity i find that very fascinating of course Uh, St. Chrysostom interprets this passage as if Christ would say, Go on, Father, as you have begun. Or the the sense may be, I give thee thanks, O Father, that it has pleased thee to act thus, that since the wise men of this world have rejected the gospel, thou hast deigned to manifest it to little ones. Uh, Augustine is saying, The Father is revealed by the Son, that is, by his word. For if the temporal and transitory word, which we utter, both shows itself and what we wish to convey, how much more the word of God, by which all things were made, which shows the Father as his Father, as as he is Father, because itself is the same and in the same manner as the Father. Yeah, they're one, right? Even St. Hilary points out, And also, in the mutual knowledge between the Father and the Son, He teaches us that there is nothing in the Son beyond what is in the Father. Close quote, St. Hilary, Augustine, St. Chrysostom, pray for us. We'll be right back, right after this very short break. John Lillis from Lifeboat Coffee, more than just coffee, an incredible apostolate. It's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Have a drive time. We'll be right back.
2: I'm in a good place in my
6: life.
3: And I'm energized by new adventures. I've got
6: friends to laugh with. And a good relationship. But even though I'm kind of comfortable,
2: I sometimes wonder, is there something more?
0: Could God in church be what you're looking for? Come and see at catholicscomehome.com. Protestants use 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3 against the Catholic practice of consecrated celibacy and Lenten observances, because Paul calls the forbidding of marriage and the consumption of food doctrines of demons. Do Catholics need to be exercised? No. And here are some reasons why. First, Paul can't be condemning consecrated celibacy, because in the next chapter he gives Timothy instructions on proper implementation of consecrated celibacy with regard to enrolled widows. Also, Paul can't be condemning all forms of abstinence from meats, since he was part of the decision at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15 that decreed Gentile Christians abstain from meats offered to idols. What Paul was condemning is the Gnostic belief that nobody should marry, and that one should always abstain from meats, because matter is evil. So, fear not, Catholics, you have no need for an exorcism. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to
4: Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClendon. So good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Coming up at uh, 35 past the hour, Timothy Flanders is going to be our guest. Uh, Meaning of Catholic, 1 Peter 5. And uh, there was a story that came out, I think at the end of last week, beginning of this week, about uh, a bishop in the Orthodox Church who baptized a child of an openly gay couple who had that child through a surrogate so there's a lot of very big huge red flags in this story but the real question is is the east going to make or are they making it seems so making the same mistakes that the west has been making as of late so we're going to have that conversation with Timothy Flanders coming up at 35 past the hour. Now, John Lillis from Lifeboat Coffee is supposed to be our guest. If he jumps on, I'm going to put him on, and we're going to discuss his own story, uh the fact that his uh or his organization, Lifeboat Coffee, which is a um it's a coffee uh supplying company, they've been shipping all across the world their product for years now, but they also since I think 2017 have had an actual coffee shop in Arizona. And he himself is the survivor of the abortion era. Uh, so uh, we're trying to get him on right now to share why his his coffee shop was recently attacked and he received threats and what all of that means. Here's a story out of the Washington Examiner, though. Adrian, I'm sharing my desktop. Hopefully that comes through. Uh, headline says, Federal judge temporarily blocks Arizona personhood law geared to protect unborn. It says the federal judge tempor- temporarily blocked a 2021 Arizona law that recognized the personhood of a fetus from the moment of conception, siding with abortion providers who argued the measure was too vague and left them open to legal jeopardy. Uh, quote, a law unconstitutionally vague if its application is so unclear that people of ordinary intelligence cannot figure out in advance how to comply with it. Close quote. U.S. District Judge Douglas Reyes wrote in a ruling on Monday, the decision comes after the Supreme Court's consequential decision to overturn Roe v. Wade last month, giving states the authority to make their own abortion laws. The judge also argued that giving an unborn baby the same rights as other people could render an abortion as homicide under the state's law. Quote, and that is the problem, close quote Reyes wrote, Going on to say, quote, when the punitive and regulatory weight of the entire Arizona code is involved, plaintiffs should not have to guess at whether their conduct is on the right or on the wrong side of the law. Close quote. I find that pretty fascinating. That, uh, well, golly you is We wouldn't want to say that, you know, ending the life of a human person is murder. <laughs> Come on now. We wouldn't want to say that, would we? You know what I find fascinating about this? One, it's murder. You're ending the life of a human person. So we can pretend all we want. Just like yesterday, I saw that video of uh, of uh, the, uh, that professor, leftist professor. I forget her name, but Josh Hawley was questioning her, and she was kind of getting real upset with him because he refused to admit that uh, only women could get pregnant, <laughs> And she was like, you're causing harm and violence to transgendered people. He's like, why? By asking you questions? Like, that causes harm? So how? And she was just getting more and more upset the whole time. It was <laughs> kind of crazy. But, you know, it's so, it's so twisted. Let's not twist this. You end a life, you know, if in this case, in abortion, you are, you are ending the life of a person who doesn't want their life ended. Right, They would defend themselves, and how can I say that? Well, have you ever seen the film Silent Scream by uh, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, uh, God rest his soul, who filmed that as an abortionist, as a pro-abortion uh, abortionist. He filmed himself taking the life of a child, and the child in the womb screamed and tried to avoid being murdered. And it's the most heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching thing you're ever going to see. It's called the silent scream. And if you've never seen it and you, you are on the fence on this issue, well, then I double-dog dare you to go look for it. It's on YouTube. You'll find it. Um, because the child does not want to have their life ended. And so it's murder. So let's be clear. That's number one. Number two, uh, who? Name me one example uh, anywhere in the United States where they're trying to put people in prison for murder in the prosecution of abortionists or even the mom who's seeking the abortion. what is there any legislation anywhere in the United States at this time where that is on the table?
5: Not even here in Texas where <laughs> yeah. everybody says, well, this is the most extreme thing. When the heartbeat bill passed, <clears throat> they were making a... Uh, contention about the the clause of the law that said that anybody could sue or demand a legal uh, uh, what was it joe i think it's like ten thousand dollars you
4: you have to pay if you get caught uh (laughs) providing an abortion that you're not going to jail you're not going to jail you're not going to be put in prison um it's it's i don't understand where they get this line like it's a straw man and they're clearly worried about it i mean this judge is making this super crystal clear That if we claim, if we say that this is in fact murder, well then the implications are we are committing murder, we're accessories to murder, and therefore we could go to prison. And they are not going to allow that. And so uh, ultimately they're saying we have to protect the abortion business from being prosecuted or harmed civilly in any way. And I find that fascinating because as Catholics uh, we believe error does not get its day in court. That error does not have a say. You don't, you don't hear error out. You don't listen to the error and, and go, oh, that seems reasonable. Like, that's not a thing, right? Wrong is wrong, and right is right. Is it wrong or right to kill a child in the womb? I mean, it's natural law. It doesn't have anything to do with my catechism of the Catholic Church. It doesn't have anything to do with where I was raised, the color of my skin, or how much money is in my bank account. It is either right or, it is e- or wrong to, to end the life of another person. And we believe that is natural law. And as a result, that applies to all human persons, regardless of circumstance. And uh, And I find it fascinating that we're still considering these uh, arguments that are bizarre because no one no legislation anywhere is trying to put people in prison for murder in this regard maybe maybe they should i don't know maybe they should maybe that's a thing <laughs> but they aren't the reality is they aren't doing that for up to me they would be in prison <laughs> if it were if it were, as a supreme ruler of the universe that would be your thing as the
5: supreme president of the planet of sponsored the by planet? the world
4: economic forum yeah uh, I would put them in prison. Yeah, there you go, folks. Uh, did you happen to watch, changing subjects now, did you happen to watch the crazy video footage of the Ubaldi shooter? No, you know what? I did see that. I was going to
5: report on it, but ah, I just can't bring myself to watch that. I, I, I just can't do it. Yeah, I,
4: You know what I don't watch? Uh, video footage of Joe Biden. <laughs> uh, no, his son Hunter, forgive me. Oh, hunter. Like, yeah, because you know those stories. Yeah, like they not only do he have all the stuff on the laptop, but recently they hacked his iCloud account. Yeah, and they dumped all of it onto these torrent servers. So it's obscene stuff. They're being passed widely across the internet. Yeah. I don't ever watch that stuff. No. Like there was the crack footage recently of him weighing his crack footage. Like that got passed through the internet, so you kind of run across that. But that's it's mild and and harmless in comparison to the vileness of the rest of it. Yeah, I don't ever want to see that stuff. I don't want to get that stuff in my head at all. And I felt the same way about this. Like, it's being passed around, but at the same time, it's so close to home. This yeah. is literally just down the road from us uh, in our own backyard here at the Guadalupe Radio Network. And so we know people personally who were involved in all of this. And it's so tragic that I felt like, I needed to watch it. So I watched it this morning. And it it is so uh, utterly uh, detestable to see this individual walk into the school without any resistance whatsoever, to see them walk into a classroom and hear the sound of minutes-long gun gun shooting into into this classroom. And the police officers who came into the building minutes after and did not stop him right away.
5: Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about this too. And there's, uh, as a police officer, I've, I've talked to some, some officers and they feel that they're uh, in a position where they can't act because they're just hyper uh, scrutinized for everything that they do. Completely understand that. But in this situation, children are being murdered. And I just can't, I can't, I can't get to the point now where I can justify any of the hesitation there. Anybody on the street, including the mom who jumped over the, the police barricade to jump in and save her children, did did the right thing. Mm. Those people who would want to do that is, is the logical uh, solution to this situation. And the hesitation, I just cannot understand why. It, it gets worse also. As time goes on, more details are released. Mm. You see, you know, they had they had some weaponry on them. They had a shield. They had perfect capacity for them to go in there. Yeah. And, and be a uh, they had a lot more of them. And even be a
4: martyr. At
5: that point, I mean, that's that's really what
4: you're called it, to do. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I don't want to sit here and bash on police officers. That's not, not the goal here. Um, but at the same time, it's heart-wrenching, especially with the stories of the mom who wanted to go in and save her kids mm-hmm. and she was detained. The police officer who was detained, his weapon removed from him because he wanted to go in and help his wife who died there in Uvalde. Yeah. Um That doesn't make sense. That's kind of bizarre. Now, maybe the argument is, but God you is, Joe, um, bad worse things could have happened if we just let people go in there, guns blazing. Maybe more kids would have been hurt. I mean, that's possible, I suppose. But uh, now, in hindsight, all we are left with is I wonder what would have happened if we would have acted sooner, more decisively.
5: Yeah, to speak to that point, you know, the, these officers are trained. It's not like, it wouldn't be like me going in there as a, a person caring constitutionally, going in there and, and uh, trying to, to fix a situation that way. These people have way more training than anybody like you or me that would have been in the situation. So,
4: yeah, it's well, disappointing. You know, one of the most, uh, there was a couple of things that were very troubling. There's an individual... Uh, on this footage from the police, while they're standing at the end of the hall behind their shield, uh, not going in uh, right away, there's this individual who walks over to the hand sanitizer on the wall and uh, makes sure to sanitize his hands. This is the one member You're of the joking. Work. No. Uh, he walks over to the wall casually, uh, walks across the, the hallway casually to hit the, the hand sanitizer. Uh, dispenser hung on the wall opposite from him and casually sanitizes his hands as he stands there on his cell phone doing, I don't know what, maybe he was, you know, watching the responses or, I don't know, maybe there was something important on his cell phone that he was doing at the time, but he's just casually standing there on this footage making sure his hands were sanitized. Like, that? Like, explain that to me. You have a man with a gun killing children just down the hall from you and you're busy sanitizing your hands? I don't know who you are, but you had best come to Jesus quick because that's disturbing to me, super disturbing to me. That and the police chief abandoning intentionally, apparently, his radios because he wasn't sure if he was in charge or not. Yeah, children died and they did not need to.
2: It's a horrible story. Let's pray.
4: Hey, coming up after this break, Rudy Carlos has more stories for us. And Timothy Flanders is going to be on. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
2: Hey, Donnie, what are the two most important things we receive at Mass? Adi, Christmas, scripture. That's right. All right, one more. Who loves you the most? Jesus. That's right. Mary. That's (laughs) right. (laughs) They love us, too. If you don't educate your children in the faith, who will? Educate yourself and your family by listening daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network. And make sure to get the GRN app by logging online to grnonline.com. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that Catholic theology is too dogmatic, that the faith should be freer, more liberal? Well, G.K. Chesterton says there will be no end to the weary debates about liberalizing theology until people face the fact that the only liberal part of it is really the dogmatic part. Their problem, he says, is not that there's not enough freedom in the dogma, but rather too much. The dogma gives man too much freedom when it permits him to actually be responsible for his sins. The dogma gives God too much freedom when it permits him to suffer and die. The dogma gives the church too much freedom when it gives it authority. It's not the doctrines that limit us, it is the denial of them. It's only the truth that makes us free. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic
5: Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. This one from The Hill. Headline goes Pandemic led to surge in antibiotic resistant superbugs, according to the CDC. The threat of antimicrobial resistant infections is not only still present but getting worse according to an analysis. Hospital onset deaths and infections from antimicrobial resistant bacteria both increased at least 15% in 2020 compared to 2019. The analysis highlighted seven different pathogens including a 78% increase in a type of bacteria that can cause infections of the blood, urinary tract, lungs, and wounds. Breitbart reports Sun Myung Moon Group ID'd as potential religious organization tied to Abe Shinzo assassination. A religious organization called the Japan Unification Church confirmed on Monday that one of its members is the mother of Yamagami Tetsuya, a 41-year-old Japanese man suspected of assassinating former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe in recent days. Noting that Tetsuya allegedly told police, that he originally intended to kill the leader of an unspecified religious group to which his mother belonged but ultimately targeted Abe for his loose association with the same group. A Japanese newspaper interviewed a relative of Yamagami who uh, claimed that the suspected murderer had gone through hard times since he was a child over a religious group that his mother joined. And the AP reports pig organ transplants inch closer with testing on the dead. New York researchers transplanted pig hearts into two brain-dead people over the last month, the latest in a string of so-called developments in the long quest to one day save human lives with animal organs. Animal-to-human transplants, what scientists call xenotransplantation, has been tried for decades without success as people's immune systems almost instantly attack the foreign tissue. Now pigs are being genetically modified so that their organs are more human-like, increasing hope that they might one day help fill a shortage of donated organs. And Breitbart reports McDonald's worker who prays with customers deemed gift from God. When a woman named Dylan Brooks stopped in for breakfast at the local McDonald's, she experienced something very special. She says, quote, I usually see Miss Brenda at the drive-thru, but this morning I decided to go inside and she just so happened to be at the counter inside too. She stopped me while I was gonna get my drink and told me God told her she needed to pray for me right then and there. Brooke continued, adding that she was left in tears. Brenda Wilson said that she had gone through some difficult trials in her life, but felt called to be a servant, and she says that every morning, now I say Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all my ways, and he shall direct my path, which she uses as an inspiration as she continues touching the lives during the breakfast and lunch hours at her local McDonald's. And those were your headline
4: news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God and all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Coming up at the top of the next hour, if you can join us, we'd love to have you. David L. Gray in the Gray Report is going to be on to talk about the Pope's comments on a uh, Univision interview about Joe Biden, his conscience, and his pastor. Is he giving the president a pass? That's the question, and we're going to have David L. Gray comment on that at the top of the next hour. Joining us right now, though, from Meaning of Catholic is Timothy Flanders, also the editor at 1 Peter 5. Good morning to you, Timothy.
7: Good morning. Jesus is
4: King. How y'all doing? Praise be to God. Amen. We are alive, and that counts. How are you?
7: Oh, I, fantastic. Too blessed to be stressed.
4: <laughs> You've been hanging around Jesse Romero again, I can tell. Uh, there was a story that came out, I think it was the end of last week, early this week. Archbishop L. Padifo. L. I, I apologize for obliterating his name, but he is apparently the Archbishop of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of America, and very recently he uh, went and baptized a child of an openly gay couple who, whom the child uh, was uh, uh, not conceived but brought to term through a surrogate. And it is a a very scandalous story. And so the question becomes, is the East now going along with this sort of a woke ideology at many in the West are? And we thought we'd get your comments on that this morning, Timothy Flanders.
7: Certainly, yeah. The the Eastern Orthodox and the Oriental Orthodox communions, and now there's actually a formal schism within the Eastern Orthodox between Moscow and Constantinople, and this is on the Constantinople side of that schism. So there's actually is three schisms or four. You can count it four schisms in the East. There's many different schisms in the <laughs> East. That's why at 1 Peter 5 we call it the Greek schisms, plural. <laughs> uh, it's very difficult to understand because there's a lot of different things going on. Um, <clears throat> for Catholics, an easy way to break this down is to say that there are many popes in the Eastern Orthodox world. There are many popes. Here's what I mean by that for Catholics we take for granted that certain issues which which bear upon the universal church for example gay marriage uh baptizing a surrogate mother or even surrogacy itself or even I'll back it up even further contraception we take for granted that contraception has been definitively decided by the universal magisterium of the church that's been it's been closed the the, ma- the matter is closed in the east Every, every single spiritual father, meaning every priest of a, of a church, actually can make his own decision on something like contraception. So you go to one Eastern priest, and he may say one thing. You go to another, and he may say another. So for many things that we take for granted, <clears throat> uh, there are actually different popes in the East who make their own decisions. This particular instance is a representation of that. There are various issues among the Eastern churches that they have not resolved, that we have resolved because we have a universal magisterium. They do not, and so they it's left to the individual bishop or the individual priest to decide on these controversial topics. This particular bishop has decided on this particular top, co- topic, which has caused controversy to other Orthodox bishops in other Orthodox churches or communions who rightly condemn this act, but they have no Ecclesi- elast- ecclesiastical structure to resolve this as we do as Catholics, and so all they can do is basically protest it and say this is wrong, but they can 't have an ecumenical council to resolve this universally they can 't they can break communion with him, but they can 't really excommunicate him in in, in a universal sense um, so those are some of the factors that uh, we need to keep in mind when we consider this as Catholics
4: and I believe he he performed this baptism in in Greece, if I'm not mistaken, he traveled over there, even though he's from the United States, to perform this. And it was like a, it yes. was, it was, you know, it looks like, a, in some ways it looks like a contrived hit job. Like it was intentional to have this sort of splash and, and this effort. And, you know, um, many in the Roman church, we'll call it the Roman church, and many in the church in the West have been looking east as sort of an escape hatch, a lifeboat, if you will, in the midst of grave scandal the synodal path that has caused so much scandal in the headlines, especially coming out of Germany uh, the, the summer of shame in two thousand and eighteen with McCarrick, the ongoing financial sex abuse scandals over and over again so many in the in the West have been going east, thinking that that is their their way of uh, of uh, separating but still staying in the church. What would you say to that, Timothy Flanders uh
7: It's basically a surface level solution so this is the most famous person who did this obviously is rod dryer who lost his faith during the original sex abuse scandal in the early 2000s and he became Eastern Orthodox and he said that he lost his faith because he was confronted by so much evil basically and certainly we can sympathize with that many Catholics our brethren are struggling with that um but what you what you receive when you're Eastern Orthodox, and and I'm saying this because I worshipped as in the Eastern Orthodox and the Oriental Orthodox churches for four years before I came to Rome, is that if you stay in your own parish as an Eastern Orthodox and you don't read about any any other Eastern Orthodox parishes, you don't travel, you just stay in your own church, and like I said, you kind of have your own Pope as your own priest, and you don't look anywhere else beneath the surface in Eastern Orthodoxy, that will definitely convince you because you won't actually see these deeper issues. You won't go to a different priest if an Eastern Orthodox priest and get a different story about what is Eastern Orthodox doctrine or morals. Um, Essentially you can definitely, it's basically a different method of sticking your head in the sand uh, because on the surface you can have this beautiful liturgy, you can have what seems to be solid doctrine, but as soon as you scratch beneath the surface and you start to go deeper into the reality of the Orthodox churches, it, it does not become a solution to the problem, mm-hmm. um, because there, there there is actually a sex abuse crisis in the Eastern Orthodox world, similar to things that are going on in the West. You're not going to escape that same issue in the East, and there's also doctrinal confusion in the East, um, but <clears throat> what is worse is that there's not only doctrinal confusion, but there's no way to actually resolve that doctrinal confusion. In the Catholic Church we do have doctrinal confusion obviously. We have got bad priests, bad bishops, but we have a universal magisterium. We have a we have various universal catechisms which can check what is being said by a bishop and we have more recent issues like contraception or various things like that that have been definitively resolved. Now, whereas in the Eastern Orthodox, if you go to Eastern Orthodox Church, they haven't had an ecumenical council since seven eighty seven some dispute as to which one it was, but seven eighty seven is the main, most agreed number, so they haven't dealt with all these different issues that have come th- a thousand years later there's no universal agreement on all these different other issues so ultimately you you yourself become the ultimate authority to decide for yourself with your own spiritual father what you think is Eastern orthodoxy so you're kind of left with the same sort of Protestant world in the mm. sense that you can be the ultimate authority. You can be your own Pope in some ways. So you don't escape that.
4: Timothy Flanders is our guest. Meeting of Catholic and 1 Peter 5 talking about the Orthodox Church (laughs) making uh, more problems for themselves than they already needed. Right after this very quick break we're going to come right back and continue our conversation uh, about this. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. Share us with a friend.
1: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. How much havoc would be caused at your church if your pastor brought a big statue of St. Peter or St. Paul and placed them in the sanctuary? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history's on the side of the Catholic Church. Christian art in many forms dates way back to about 120 A.D. And so do those various Christian symbols which we still see today. You know, a dove, a fish, a lamb. Why are those okay? Secondly, the Bible, Exodus, Numbers, and Ezekiel— All these books show God telling Moses, David, or Ezekiel to carve out images of angels that were used in worship. And and thirdly, a tough comeback, especially for my guy friends. Does Cooperstown, Canton, or Cleveland mean anything to you? Yep, the Hall of Fame location's filled with statues, jerseys, bats, and balls. Memorabilia is a $37 billion industry, but you say, don't bring a statue into my church. Well, how many of you guys have admired one of those bronze statues of an athlete? I'd rather stare at St. Peter's, Paul, and Mary in my church, and I'm not talking about the old folk band. Praise be
4: to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you. Timothy Flanders is our guest, 1 Peter 5. He's the editor there, also with Meeting of Catholic. We're talking about the East, the Orthodox Church, and the multiple schisms that complicate the issue altogether. But uh, if you didn't join us in the last segment, there is a uh, a Greek Orthodox uh, Archbishop from America who went to Greece to baptize a child from an openly gay couple whom the child was born from a surrogate. So lots of problems in that. And this particular archbishop seems to uh, be pretty liberal and is not... It is not a stranger to controversy. And you know what's interesting? And I wanted to get your take on this, Timothy. Welcome back to the show. In America, there is an effort to combine all Eastern churches under one umbrella. And uh, so I know that, like, like there are several. I can't remember the name of it though. It's, the name is escaping me. But there's like a, like a sort of like a general default Orthodox type of uh, a name that all the ruthenians and greeks and on all these people kind of come under one umbrella it seems to me that the east is unrecoverable because it's gotten so caught up in nationalism that it really probably can't come into uh what we have and enjoy in the west with a hierarchy a magisterium an authority what would you say to that
7: yeah, I I I was um a I was a grad student with the Catholic University of Ukraine studying ecumen, ecumenism for years um before I actually became Catholic and I was studying this issue, how can how can we reconcile the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Churches? How can we come back together and heal this schism? And ultimately, I realized that I in in my view, I don't think that the biggest thing that's really preventing this is Eastern Orthodox disunity with themselves. Yeah. And so the Roman Catholic Church can have a universal, you know, they could draw up a, a, a doctrinal decree, and they can say, we all agree to this doctrinal decree, do you sign on to it or not? And that, that would be like the, the terms for unity. But uh, what actually happened in the official dialogue between the East and the West was that the schism between the, Russia and Moscow got so bad, that Russia, and Russia is, is the most dominant pop in terms of people. There's more Russian Orthodox than there are every other Orthodox combined. Um, they left the dialogue because of a dispute between Russia and uh, Constantinople. So they, they can't, and not only that, I mean, we can go to very, very basic issues. For example, baptism. Who's baptized? Can a cat, is a Catholic baptized or not? There's a disagreement between Russians and Greeks over this, and they haven't been able to resolve this for hundreds of years. And so we really can't can't resolve our issues on a corporate level and just have all the Eastern Orthodox be reconciled to the West because they can't reconcile with each other. And the reason they can't reconcile with each other is because they have no universal magisterium as it was in the first 1,000 years of the church history.
3: You know, Mr. Flanders, I was uh, speaking with a friend of mine recently who me and him were uh, serving the traditional mass together. We learned to serve the traditional mass together. He went off to Franciscan University, and due to, you know, a lot of the responses to Pope Francis and the things that Pope Francis says and does, he was uh, convinced that the uh, papacy is false because of this, because he was like, okay, well, clearly... Pope Francis is a heretic, and clearly uh, everyone is just gaslighting me and telling me that he's not and so I guess two questions one, why is it important that we actually address the issues and not try to cover up the things the scandalous things that are happening in the church? and two, how do you how would you respond to someone who is like is trying to uh, have a theological argument against the Magisterium of the Roman Church uh, in favor of the Eastern?
7: yeah sure. well, first of all, the Roman Catholic Church is the true Church of Christ, so we don't need to cover anything up. We can just uh pull out all the gory details of anything, really. Uh, we don't need to be afraid of the truth because we are the true church, so we can have the most um, intense criticism of everything. Um, the problem is that here's the problem is that Eastern Orthodox themselves cannot admit that there is no Eastern Orthodox ecclesiology as such. There are very few Eastern Orthodox writers who are willing to even admit this. And so if you go off on the Internet or if you're writing, reading an North Eastern Orthodox book, they'll say things like, the Eastern Orthodox Church teaches X, Y, Z. But there's actually no way to prove that that's the case. So, for example, somebody would say, the Orth- Orthodox Church rejects the Immaculate Conception. Well, that's that's a dispute, that's actually disputed among the Orthodox that's the reality but eastern orthodox writers themselves will will deceive them their own selves as to what their church even is there in the reality is that there is no orthodox church period as such there are there's the, the russian orthodox church there's the greek orthodox church there's the coptic church and these are individual churches which have individual doctrines about the sacraments about ecclesiology they can't agree uh, as to uh who can call an ecumenical council what constitutes an ecumenical council they can't agree with each other so there is no orthodox church singular there's merely orthodox churches and they're all going to disagree as to all these different topics so that's the first thing so we can't even compare the two we're basically just comparing roman catholic ecclesiology with various eastern orthodox opinions that exist in the east so that's the first issue uh the second issue is Yes, we have we have a we currently have a crisis in in the western or the western catholic church obviously. Um but the the crisis is actually resolved in potency. Here's what I mean by that. The Roman Catholic Church has the power to resolve this crisis. You we just need a like a new oath against modernism or a, or a new decree or something the pope can actually do that because we know he've done he's done it before. We know he has the power to do it. We wish that he would do it, but he's not doing it so but the problem is that we we actually have the power to resolve this crisis it it exists in the catholic church we know that it's just not happening whereas in the east you go to the east there's no actual power to resolve their issues it's these issues have been going on for five hundred years thousand years Moscow and, and Constantinople they've been butting heads for 500 years they haven't been able to resolve their issues they can't resolve their issues there's no potency there to even resolve anything so Therefore, we can, we can have confidence and hope that the, the issues in the West will be resolved because we know that they have the power to resolve, but we have no confidence that the issues in the East will be resolved. So you can go to the East, but you're not going to find that, uh, that true confidence in the true church.
4: Well, much like the federal government, once they take a power, they don't ever want to give it back. Do you see these national uh, churches wanting to submit to, to Rome, to Pope Francis, or any other pope after him?
7: Um, not, not really. en mass, uh, typically, uh, usually that has happened. We have, we do have all of the Eastern Catholic churches, which mirror all of the Eastern churches. We have every single Eastern, uh, communion represented that's in communion with Rome. But typically this has a, a lot of these unions have happened when there was a political situation where people kind of woke up to the fact that, wow, it would be better actually if we were with Rome. That's why we were willing to reinvestigate these issues. But if you live in a in a orthodox country or you live in sort of this orthodox bubble uh, and everything's fine, you're not going to question that unless a crisis happens. So uh, when things get worse and worse and worse, people are willing to talk more unity um, unless they just have an immense measure of goodwill. So. It's I I mean I certainly I certainly advocate a return to the old ways of so-called unionism. I think that's the best way forward, um, even though I do think that the East, international dialogue has done some good between the East and West.
4: You know I find it fascinating because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they still the Eastern churches still do look to the uh, patriarch in uh, Constantinople or what we would say Istanbul today. Uh, do they not do they do they not give him some sort of figurehead like respect
7: uh yes but that's disputed as well um so the the main uh russia came out with its own russian ideology and this was back in like 1555 they came out with a russian ideology where they were the third rome and so they have a primacy whereas constantinople has always maintained they have the primacy now that they say We have fallen into heresy. So that's been a disputed point. Uh, But yes, there is, in theory, among some Orthodox, the Greeks in particular, uh, or those that follow Greece, uh, or those that were under the Mohammedans during the Ottoman rule, they would, yes, look to Constantinople, but the Russians are more numerous.
4: Why would that patriarch not leave Istanbul? I mean, golly you know, besides his chancery, how many of the flock are still there that he's uh, ministering to wouldn't he wouldn't he rather relocate to greece or some other place even america they are probably more orthodox in america than there are in all of turkey uh, why wouldn't he do that
7: uh i would i would say it's probably because it's still a sacred place it's still the it, it, there's part of part of that is based on an ideology of the the old imperial Primacy That he the reason that C was elevated and this was a dispute in the first millennium. The reason that C was elevated was because it was the imperial capital. And so it's not it's something that's tied as a sacred city to this primacy. And so leaving it may give the appearance of forsaking that primacy because it's tied to that city.
8: Mm. We
4: have just about a minute left, a minute and a half left with uh, Timothy Flanders. So uh, let me just go back to the woke uh, ideology. This archbishop seems to have a propensity for that. But uh, on the whole, how many in the East have these liberal progressive tendencies?
7: Um, well, in terms, it depends on which issue you're talking about. Like in t- if in terms of contraception, I would say that's widespread. Many different Orthodox will disagree on whether contraception is wrong if you talk about divorce and remarriage, when there is a legitimate valid marriage, that's completely universal. Uh, the Orthodox church will remarry someone who is actually married to someone else in an adulterous marriage. Wow. That's complicated. But, uh, in terms of the woke stuff, it is a lot more hush hush it's happening, but it's a lot more hush hush. Uh, so this is why this is a, a lot bigger, uh, I am told that there are numerous bishops in the United States who do this, do sort of gay, this gay stuff under, you know, under cover of uh, darkness or whatever, Mm. uh, in terms of gay marriages or gay baptisms or whatever. Um, I, I'm, but generally it's a lot fewer. Um, it's similar in some senses because we do have Catholic bishops in the United States who are doing things indirectly, but, um, it's, it is it is a similar number, I think, um, but there are, is more of a shame or hush-hush, to their credit, among mm. uh, Eastern Orthodox.
4: Wow. Well, we're just about out of time with Timothy Flanders, 1Peter5, 1Peter5.com. Check him out. A lot of great articles over there. Timothy, thank you for your time today. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day, sir. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. So grateful for Timothy being on the program in the second hour. If you can join us, David O'Gray is going to be our guest. What did the Pope just say? Did the Pope just give a pass to Catholic Joe Biden on abortion? We're going to have that conversation. I have a theory as to why he's done that. I'll share that with you in the next hour if you can join us. You can always hang out with us on our live stream at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Otherwise, see you tomorrow.
1: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Could there be just one word that truly sets the Catholic Church apart from all other churches? Yes, there is. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. That word is retained. How can one word bring such distinction? Well, understanding that retain means to hold back or to keep. Jesus tells the apostles, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Secondly, so what does that world say about sin? The therapist says, forgive yourself. New Agers say it's just a state of mind. And the Evangelical says, just tell Jesus no matter how grave the sin, he'll forgive you directly. And finally, the word retain. We all know that non-Catholics don't go to a pastor to confess grave sins. Why? Because in Protestant thinking, you get to leapfrog humans and go directly to Jesus. And guys, let's don't hide under the newest term, be accountable. Hey, we all will be accountable up to the point that it hurts. Is it embarrassing or is criminal? My priest can say, Steve, your sin's not forgiven. Does your pastor? I think not. Why? Have you ever heard backlash, decreasing church attendance, and loss of revenue? This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Early in our parenting, we were introduced to the importance of first-time obedience. Now, some of you out there might be thinking, this is an impossible concept for toddlers, let alone teenagers, to understand. But it's not. Mind you, while it is possible, we didn't say it would be easy.
0: As we form our children, we need to understand that obedience is a virtue, a very important virtue, that includes
2: respect, self-control, and the training of the will. How do you train your child in obedience? First, You expect it. You set the expectation that your child will listen
4: the first time. Not when you count to five, not when they feel like it, not when they agree with you,
1: but right away. And then second, when your child doesn't obey the first time, give them a quick reminder and then a consequence. Yes, some children will need to be reminded again and again, but that's okay. Because remember, parenting is a marathon, not a sprint. For more help on Discipline and other resources, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org.
4: Thank you for listening to Catholic Radio on KSHJ in Houston. Join our email list by texting GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to 42828. Well, it's so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. We just wrapped up a conversation with Timothy Flanders from 1 Peter 5 on the Eastern Orthodox. You know, God, you is. I've seen too many people recently. Go East. Hoping, praying that that would give them a, the ability to get out from the insanity of the scandals that happened in the West. And the reality is, you can't. It's You can't go east for those reasons. And unfortunately, it breaks I my did. heart to see so many people do that. You did? You went east? Yeah, I went east. From you, California. From California. <laughs> <laughs> to Texas. Mm. But in that case, in that, yeah. in that, yes, well, our barbecue yeah. is clearly and infinitely more superior than yours. So it would make sense to go east. Okay. From California, in that regard. I'm about to scandalize everybody, right? No, you're not. Yep, there's no way. I am. Fake news? Yeah, that's what better I, barbecue smell that? in California. That's called fake news. There's, I yeah. guarantee it. Have what's, you you ever, what's
3: it like to be wrong? What <laughs> is that like for you?
4: Uh, have you ever heard of a barbecue place called rudy's yeah i've been there and i own su- it you're saying you're <laughs> suggesting somehow that that's not superior in every way to what you would have got in in california yeah
5: look mm-hmm. the portion sizes are bigger
4: here but it tastes Pre- better in california i don't know what to tell you Glore and praise <laughs> i don't know what to, i don't know what to tell you have you seen a Bucky's passed by, Bucky's ever been inside of a Bucky's? Bucky's is good? Yeah, I Whoa. would say it's A-tier. What? what? It's A-tier, but oh
5: S-tier, there's some S-tier uh, barbecue places in
3: California. Adrian, what's the greatest barbecue on planet Earth? The greatest barbecue on planet Earth probably Black's Barbecue just outside of Austin, Texas.
4: So you're saying it's not in California?
3: No, huh. definitely not in California.
4: Huh. I got to try that.
3: And in Houston, huh. the best barbecue is probably Killen's Barbecue down in Pearland area. Um, so he's comparing
5: Nick over
3: there. see the problem is Rudy's comparing the best barbecue in California to Rudy's. And Rudy's is good, but it's a chain. So that <laughs> well, I've
5: been to other places besides Rudy's. Uh-huh. And he's he's comparing uh-huh.
3: Bucky's. If Bucky's is A
5: tier, Bucky's that, that tells you a Bucky's lot. Bucky's
3: is better than Rudy's.
4: But here's the kicker Yikes. though. Here's the real crux of the conversation when it comes to barbecue in California, can you actually say or prove that it is meat that is being consumed. Dude, that is a good point. You know, I, I read a story yesterday
5: that Subway is going to get sued again because their tuna actually mm-hmm. wasn't 100% tuna. <laughs> it was actually pork and chicken. And I was thinking to myself, <laughs> oh, I would go to Subway on Fridays sometimes to get a tuna yeah. sandwich. Yeah. And, uh, well, how culpable am
3: Why I? Why would they do that? <laughs> I we, don't know. Like,
4: who, who in corporate says, you know? They put I, plastic I got, in their bread. I got a great idea. You know how we sell tuna fish? yeah what if we just put pork in there instead
5: what if we just mixed a bunch of well, like, actual meat in there
4: like who's in charge like who who thinks these are good ideas Man. it just is bizarre to me well nonetheless it,
5: yeah, it's a deviation
4: i think we have settled the argument once and for all fin- definitively that i agree yeah. texas does have in fact the best barbecue planet Earth, It's contested bar none period all stop <laughs> there's no other conversation about that. Jay Koch agrees with us. He says the barbecue in California identifies as, quote, good barbecue, close quote. Yeah,
3: that's, <laughs> that's really, that's truly the only way it works. The him. only
4: way it works. Hey, speaking of which, in the after show, we're going to have a great conversation with you directly. You get to drive that conversation. We're always grateful to our CDT insiders that hang out with us, not just on the live video feeds like Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Rumble, Odyssey. But on our Telegram group as well. Good morning to you, Rick. Praise be to God. Clarissa, good to see you there. Lou's uh, Jeff Berger. It's Nelia's birthday today, too. Nelia. Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Nelia. Praise be to God. Uh, Glad that you're on hanging out with us on your birthday. Uh, So all of you, we're going to be hanging out. And uh, Josh already brought up a great question about the conversation we just had with Timothy Flanders on baptism. You know, why would you not want to baptize a child even if the parents are doing insane things? We're going to talk about that in the after show, second half of this hour on the live video feed. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt to make sure you are connected to us in the live video feed. Joining us right now, though, via Zoom chat is the
9: effervescent David L. Gray. (laughs) Good morning to you, David. Good morning, Joe, Adrian, and Rudolpho. How are you gentlemen doing this morning?
3: Very good, sir. Praise be to God. We I'm are alive, a little sad. And that counts. Why are you sad? Because uh, of Rudy's blasphemy against the Texas barbecue. Hey, yeah, you know, just really
5: true. quickly before we get into it, mm-hmm. I want to say the best barbecue in California actually is Texas style. So <laughs> actually, yeah.
3: Okay. So Texas has the best barbecue. Yeah.
5: There you go. Yeah. I
3: said it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: Yeah. <Wow. laughs>
3: My day, has, I'm no longer having a sad day. The, Today is no longer a sad day. Sk-
9: has I changed my mind. To an end. I changed my <laughs> mind. Schism. Uh, <laughs> I like, I guess God. we need to talk about chili next, right? Chili. Uh, oh yeah. Beans. Do you beans have an opinion
4: chili? on chili,
3: David? Oh, I'm just curious. Here goes
4: the. Whole no, I, w-
9: I would say Texas has the best chili because there's there's it's, you guys have the sweet and tangy thing going mm-hmm. on versus mm-hmm. just um, yeah sweet or tangy. Yeah. yeah, but you agree though? Texas does have the best barbecue. I would agree with that. Yeah,
4: <laughs> it's like who who wouldn't? Right? Objection, leading the witness.
2: <laughs>
8: However,
4: <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, there is another conversation we have, we need to have, and this came out just yesterday. Uh, LifeSite News reported on it, but uh, and others did as well. But um, uh, Pope Francis, in an interview with Univision in Espanol, uh, commented on Joe Biden and whether or not he should receive communion. And essentially he said that he is going to leave it to his own personal conscience and his pastor to decide whether or not he should go to communion. I find this fascinating, especially given uh, the scandal of Nancy Pelosi recently receiving communion at the Vatican and uh, being ardent uh, pro-abortion supporters. Joe Biden, as president, brought brought the full weight of the federal government to bear uh, to support abortion recently. Even Archbishop uh, Laurie in, uh, in, uh, in Maryland has spoken out against this. I find this fascinating, and I have a theory as to why this particular phraseology is being used, but I'd
9: like to get your take, David O'Gray. Gray. I, I liked on, when you posted a video about this, I saw on rumble, and I, how I really love how you called it a grave scandal, because that's exactly what it is. One thing I found remarkable is that when our... Um, Pope Francis wants to be a shepherd and he wants to impose, um, things what he believes is the orthodoxy of of the faith on us. He'll, he'll do that immediately, such as the case with, um, the more appropriate concerning how we ought to worship during the mass. At other times, um, you know, he doesn't want to be shepherd, right? He wants to forsake his duties and he wants to just leave us on our own and not be father. And I think this is one of those instances I do admire what he said, um, in in this conversation, he said he'll leave it up to, you know, his pastor or whatever to to work out that inconsistency. I like how he called it inconsistency, but then he really forsake his duties and he left it to his own conscience. And I just want to just bring up one thing about conscience if people don't know, because we hear this a lot in Catholic spaces about this conversation, about abortion, that a person has a right to their own conscience. And what the Catholic Church teaches starting in paragraph 1776, all the way down to um, 1802, in, you know, the blue catechism that we have, is that, um, yes, everyone has a conscience, but we have a duty to form our conscience, right? And the Catholic, the Catholic Catechism, Catholic Church also talks about how um, our decisions, when they're not rightly formed, can be erroneous and flawed and lead us to hell. So we have a duty to form our conscience and to um, have what's really called a Catholic conscience, to be in union with what the Catholic Church teaches and what the the Church calls a rightly formed conscience. And so here the Pope Francis isn't helping Joe Biden at all form his conscience to become a rightly formed conscience. He's he's just leaving it deformed. And I think not only I agree with you that this is a grave scandal, but he's not helping Joe Biden um, get to heaven. You know, I, I made that point, too. I feel like uh, we are no,
4: we don't have enough charity for Joe Biden in that regard. Because if he dies in a state of mortal sin, he goes to hell. And where's the charity there? Where's the charity for wanting Joe Biden to go to heaven for eternity in the beatific vision? But I, I had a bit of a theory in the way that it was worded. He basically says, His Holiness points out in this interview at Univision, that he leaves it to his conscience and his pastor to decide. Well, then, College is, I wonder who the pastor is for President Joe Biden. Is it the bishop in Delaware, where his home is? Or is it the bishop in Washington, D.C., where his White House home is uh, currently? So, and, you know, if it's D.C., well, we all know how that's going down, right? Nancy Pelosi continues to receive communion there. Uh, so it seems to me like it's a carefully worded phrase that ge- that allows for uh, Joe Biden to continue to receive communion because his his uh, pastor is allowing him to do it. But the hypocrisy there, at least in my opinion, I'd love to get your take on this, is, golly gee when Archbishop Corleone tried to be a pastor to Nancy exactly. Pelosi, uh, he was criticized for that by Pope Francis. I mean, how many years must a bishop go like, well, how many years is enough before the bishop can finally say, "I've tried everything, and they're just refusing"? So now you're not allowed to come to communion. Um, what's? How do you
9: see that? And one of the first duties of of the well, not the first duty, but one of the duties of, of the pope is be what Jesus prayed that um, Peter would be. He said, "When you turn back, I want you to strengthen your brothers." And so, a duty of the pope is to be a source of unity for his brother bishops, and he could have he could have. When Nancy Pelosi went there to receive communion in this conversation with Joe Biden, Pope Francis could have been that he could have respected the interdict that um, Archbishop Carter gave to Nancy Pelosi and said, I'm going to be a source of unity and stand in union with my brother Bishop on this issue and tell her in our conversation, you cannot receive Holy Communion because you have received the interdict. Um, In in this instance, here we have um, Pope Francis. I, I like your her point here. Um, he, he here he does want to be a um, source of unity and, and stand in, in unity with um, Arch, um with um, Cardinal um, Gregory, who hasn't had this conversation. Well, he hasn't given Joe Biden the interdict, so he wants to be in union with him, but he doesn't want to be in union with Cardinal So this is this is really odd here, and this is an inconsistency, as you said. And I, it's an
4: ongoing scandal, and I think more and more of the lay faithful. They don't wake up in the morning and go, golly, we want to be critical of His Holiness, Pope Francis. Like That's just not something we think or do, but rather we're stuck going, we just are confused. This is confusing. What is going on here? Clarity is what we're asking for, and confusion is what we're given. Um, I see that the middle sort of go along to get along, lay faithful, are growing more and more frustrated in these times.
9: Do you see that? I think there is a segment of the Catholic Church that wants to, who believes that we deserve the truth, we deserve facts, we deserve um, um, leadership that's going to lead us and guide us towards holiness, and we we believe that we deserve justice, which is, which is our due. I mean, what do we deserve? What is our due? And namely, Jesus Christ, um, who is the truth. So, um, and that's and, and so we we don't get what we deserve. It's not like we're having a temper tantrum, right? We're not just <laughs> running around, um, like you said, saying mean things to the pope and think about about the pope and things like that. We're not having temper tantrum. We just want our due. We just want we, what we deserve. Um, and then there's another segment of the, of the church who really wants to. As we see, they want to form and shape the church according to humanism and naturalism, what they desire. And for I think for that segment of the, of the church, um, they're, they're quite on board with this laissez-faire papacy. And I think it just really all has to come to a head soon. These two churches just cannot mutually coexist.
4: Mm-hmm. Yvonne in the Combox says uh, the lay faithful are developing bald spots from scratching their heads so often, <laughs> especially <laughs> since 2013. That's a good one, Yvonne. I like that. Uh, We're down to a couple minutes here with uh, David O'Gray The Gray Report, uh, which you're publishing on your YouTube channel, Praise Be To God. Um, You know, I find it uh, incredibly difficult for a number of reasons, the grave scandal. But one of them is, as I said a minute ago, I see the lay faithful uh, en masse becoming more frustrated. But they're leaving. Some are going east, as we discussed with Timothy Flanders in the last segment. But a lot are just leaving. They're just they're just leaving they're becoming either agnostic or protestant uh
9: or worse even atheist, because of the scandal how do you see it and, and it's it's a situation of peter that we saw in john you know <laughs> peter said lord where would we go you have the words of eternal life essentially you are the truth now this is where we all should be but when we have a church that isn't holding firm that isn't teaching the truth we feel like well we don't have any reason to stay and so this is where people are at. People will come and stay if there's a the truth because they know they can't find it elsewhere. But when they can't find the truth here, they can't—they don't find a reason to stay. And so that's where we're at, and that's that's the grave tragedy, that the church isn't holding firm to the truth. Amen. David O'Gray,
4: thank you for your time today. God bless you, brother. We'll thank see you, you uh, next week. Coming up after the break, it's time to play our game show, Fear and Trembling, and prizes are at stake. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's super easy. We'd like you to give us a call right now and be our contestant. First caller gets to play the game at 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. We'll be
10: right back. John, why do Catholics confess their sins to a priest rather than going directly to God? Because that's the way God set things up for us to receive his forgiveness. In James 5:16, God through sacred scripture commands us to confess our sins to one another. Scripture does not say confess your sins straight to God and only to God. It says confess your sins to one another. In Matthew chapter 9 verse 6, Jesus tells us that he was given authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Scripture proceeds to tell us in verse 8 that this authority was given to men, plural. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus says to his disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. How did the Father send Jesus? Well, we just saw in Matthew 9 that the Father sent Jesus with the authority on earth to forgive sins. Now Jesus sends out His disciples as the Father has sent Him. So what authority must Jesus be sending His disciples out with? The authority on earth to forgive sins. And listen to the next two verses. And when He had said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Why would Jesus give the apostles the power to forgive or retain sins if he wasn't expecting folks to confess their sins to them? That's crazy. And how could they forgive or retain sins if no one was confessing their sins to them? The Bible tells us to confess our sins to one another. It also tells us that God gave men the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus sends out his disciples with the authority on earth to forgive sins. When Catholics confess our sins to a priest, we are simply following the plan laid down by Jesus Christ. He forgives sins through the priest. It is God's power, but he exercises that power through the ministry of the priest.
0: A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio
7: Network. Radio for your soul.
9: Welcome to another round of fear and trembling, (laughs) the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance, and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot, 877-757-9424. And now, your host, Joe
4: McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. Catholic Trivia Game Show where prizes are at stake and you could win but you do need to call right now 877-757-9424 call now phone lines are open Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call right now at 877-757-9424 first caller gets to play the game and uh, possibly win this week's cool prize praise be to God 877-757-9424 that phone number is 877 94 9424 Call right now. There are some things we do here on the back end, on the down low. So you gotta keep them between us. But number one, we like to teach the faith, so we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. Number two, we like to laugh. We like to have a good time, and our callers laugh with us, and that makes it more amazing than ever. Praise be to Jesus. But the real kicker here is uh, we give out prizes, which means it's an incentive for everybody involved, right? And I have three Catholic trivia questions, but the caller will not need to know the answers to the questions, and they could still win. It's that fun. And the reason why is because instead of asking the caller, we are going to ask Rudy and Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And uh, every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. This week we have
5: a very generous uh, sponsor who has given us a very wonderful prize. Excuse me, I'm joking on my own spit here. (laughs) (laughs) If you're watching uh, uh, the live stream, you can see it in my hands. It's a wonderful, hardbound copy Mm. of the Pictorial Lives of the Saints. Wow. It's a reproduction of the original 1887 version that was compiled by the Benziger brothers. Legendary. They were like the kings of the printing press world. Fantastic here. But uh, if you're listening, it's green. It's a green, hardbound book. It's got all of the saints for all of the days. Uh, it doesn't include some of the new ones, obviously. But uh, it's wonderful. And, and whoever wins this prize this week is going to meditate on the virtues of all the saints that are in this book.
4: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Hold that thing up again. Here you go. What is that like? Uh, it's, how thick is that thing?
5: I would say it's about mm, about an inch and a half thick,
4: and uh, it's illustrated. Beautiful. It's got some beautiful etchings in wow, here. Wow, that's beautiful. Somebody's going to be winning this on Friday, so make sure you get in by uh, calling on the game show first tomorrow. Uh, thir- Thursday. So Thursday and Friday, you get two more chances two tomorrow. More but chances. let's go to the phones. Vince, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God, Vince. Where are you calling from? I'm calling
1: from Fairfax, Virginia.
4: Fairfax, Virginia. Virginia very nice. Wow, we haven't had a Virginia caller on in a little bit, so praise be to God. Now, Vince, where are you calling uh For what church do you go to? Uh, St. Mary of Sorrows. St. Mary of Sorrows. Wow, what a beautiful name. Praise be to God. <laughs> Vince, are you familiar with the game show? Do you know how the rules work, sir? Uh,
6: generally, yeah,
4: but I've could probably use a refresher. Well, okay, so here's the deal. Rule number one, I'm the only person on the team you can trust. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's okay. good to yeah. uh-huh. Wait, What was that? <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, rule, rule number two, uh, there are three Catholic trivia questions, but you don't have to know the answers. Because I'm going to ask Rudy, I'm going to ask Adrian. One of them will give you a correct answer. The other will give you an incorrect answer. You then, Vince, will have 15 seconds to decide whom do you trust more and then if you if you choose correctly that goes into the cup to possibly win this week's prize. You sound good? Okay. All right. Sounds now, good. for your benefit, some insider baseball here. Rudy is not wearing a tie today. So oh, co- correlate okay. that data as you see fit.
5: Now let me just explain the fine print here. Mm-hmm. Joe mm-hmm. is
4: making mm-hmm. things up. No, no, he's leading the witness. This is not true. Objection. All right, let's go. Joe we're gonna, is not your friend. <laughs> we we are gonna start. Don't listen to him, Vince. Uh, we're gonna start with Rudy first. Team Rudy. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Praise be to God. No tie today, no Team tie Rudy. Today. Off Can we shade? decide.
11: And it, I decide on okay. which one. So you're ready then. Know. So you're ready? I'm pretty ready. you ready?
4: You're yeah, ready? yeah. Sure? Yeah, sure. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's start with this one then. Can you yeah. tell me those who have died and been chosen as the object of special devotion are called what? Those who have died.
5: They're known as the Communio. The?
4: The Communio. The Communio. Yep. Sounds fancy. All right. Adrian, good morning to you. Adrian's wearing a tie and asleep at the wheel. Oh, sorry, that, I, I heard good morning. Um, yeah. Uh, maroon today. I'm
3: awake. Is that a maroon tie? Uh, not quite. It's Giga almost Maggies? Maroon. It's close enough for Giga Maggies. Yeah. All right. I, I saw a maroon tie and I was like, you know, I don't want to go full Aggie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, can you tell me then, are those who have died and been chosen as the object of special
3: devotion... Are called what? Ah, yes. That would be patron saints. Like, for instance, Mm -hmm. King St. Henry from this morning. Really? Patron saint of those who have been rejected from religious life. Do they come (sighs) marching in? Wow. Mm. Uh, Sometimes.
4: Hurrah. Sometimes. Hurrah. Anyway. uh, All right, Vince, you've got options here. Those who have died and been chosen as the object of special devotion, Adrian says they're called patron saints, but Rudy says they're called the communio. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Vince, what say you?
8: Oh, wow.
4: This is a tough one for me, no doubt. But I- I'm going to go with Rudy. Go.
12: go, 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 go. No, I'm so sorry.
8: Uh, I told I'm sorry, you,
3: Vince. Vince. Joe's yeah. tricky. <laughs> no, what do you mean Joe? I, I, I didn't say the communio.
4: The correct answer is patron, <laughs> patron saints. And just, uh, you know, in my defense, I did mention he's not wearing a tie. But uh, nonetheless. All right. We're, we're going to get you... <laughs> Into the cup with this next question. Uh, I, good, I'm good. almost good. sure you're going to get there on this one. Although it could be easily the hardest question of the day. <laughs> uh, we're going to start with Adrian. Adrian? That's me. Uh, what is your track record on the hardest questions of the day, by the way? Your success well, rate.
3: My success rate mm-hmm. on uh, the mm-hmm. hardest questions of the day? Yeah. How do you is, keep track uh, of this? They're about uh, 33%. We need someone keeping track of the stats here. <laughs> of correlating all the data,
4: putting out some player cards. That's a lot. You know, what, when, what is your ERA? You know, we need to know this. Hardest question of the day stats, easiest question of the day stats, tie, no tie. What
3: about the, depending on who's playing the game? Right. Okay. All right. Here's the question.
4: What is the strict abstinence from meat, eggs, butter, cheese, and milk
3: called? Yeah, that's just the regular fast. Regular old, run-of-the-mill. Yeah, it's just fasting. Fasting. Mm -hmm. You sure? Every time the church demands fasting, you can't eat meat, eggs, butter, cheese, and milk. Everybody knows that. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me, what is the strict abstinence from
4: meat, eggs, butter, cheese, and milk called? It's pretty
5: hardcore. And uh, it's known as the black fast. The black fast. Yeah, because you're going to black out. Black out all the goodies. You're going to black out if you don't eat all these
4: things. Just kidding. All right. Redacting all the good stuff in life. Yep. All right. Well, Vince, is this uh, particular fast from meat, eggs, butter, cheese, and milk called the black fast, as Rudy suggests? Or is it just a regular old fast, as Adrian is saying? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Vance in Virginia. What say you? I'm going to go with BlackFast. Survey (laughs) go. Very confident. Praise be to God. Yeah, you're in. You're in. You can win now, Vince. Praise be to God. Congratulations. You are correct. It is not no... Despite Joe's trickiness, you got it. (laughs) No run-of-the-mill fast. It is the BlackFast. And when do we do BlackFast, Adrian?
3: Uh, Never. You're you're never required to do a (laughs) (laughs) BlackFast anymore. But uh, you can do it whenever you want. Uh, notice they don't let us uh, fast from vegetables. Uh, I fast it? from vegetables every day. <laughs> every day. Every day? Every day. Every uh, day. It's a great penance. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, third question. You're definitely going to get this one right, Vince. This is the hardest question. Just put his right, name
4: actually. in the cup. I don't even think we should ask him. It's just it's such a gimme.
3: This is uh, the hardest question. Ever? Ever. I don't know. Up uh, to this date. Rudy, can you tell uh, me? Yeah, yeah. Rudy, yeah.
4: Rudy, can you tell me? Get to the point, Joe. Come on. <laughs> I'm working on it. Can you tell me? Is patience... Uh. <laughs> is patience one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Uh, can, you, can you slow that down and give yes. it to me slower? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wonder what... Uh, I don't have time for this. I wonder what Adrian's going to say. I'll let you is So many different options. Adrian, can you
3: tell me, is patience one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Well... I have to think about that for a second. Just give me a minute. Just give me a minute. Can you ponder this? I gotta think about it. Chew I gotta, on it, I'm, I'm processing, turn it. Do we have a car I'm horn processing button? Like, burr, burr, this the idea. light just turned green. And you know, I'm gonna say, I'm Hurry gonna up! say, as someone who has been confirmed and has received these great gifts and fruit mm-hmm. of the Holy Ghost, yeah. I would actually <laughs> argue that I
8: Run actually do not have Run those gifts, time, which man. are patience. I'm going to say no. Your,
3: your answer
4: is no? My answer is okay. no. Okay, Vince, is patience a fruit of the Holy Spirit? Adrian says no. Rudy says yes. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? And you got to hurry now, Vince. I'm gonna go with Rudy. Yes. So wise. Wow. (gasps) It's an all Rudy game today. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) He chose you three times.
3: He was just wrong once. Oh. Well, he was not wearing a tie. So not wearing a tie correlate that data as you see. I appreciate your
4: support (laughs) there, Vince. (laughs) Vince, congratulations. You you got it. You're in for two. Thank you. Wonderful. Patience is in fact a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But when I become Pope, I may vote that out. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. But Vince, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. Thanks for laughing with us and having a good time. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Praise be to God. We're going to put Vince on hold. That's going to do it for the radio side of our show. If you would like to conversate directly with us, that's what we do in the after show, where you get to drive the conversation on the the live video feeds, which are all linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt grnonline.com forward slash cdt go there check it out you can find the links to facebook youtube twitter rumble odyssey wherever you like comment there and we're going to talk about why the church does not baptize children when parents won't raise them in the faith that and more is coming up next we'll see you back here tomorrow morning god bless you god love you
0: thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the Chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
6: Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the Memorial of St. Henry. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. To
11: Jesus Christ, our Sovereign King, who is the world's salvation, all praise and homage do we bring, and thanks and adoration. Christ Jesus, victor, Christ, Jesus, Ruler, Christ, Jesus, Lord and Redeemer. In
12: the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring
8: us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie, Kyrie eleison.
11: Kyrie eleison.
8: Christ eleison.
11: Christ eleison.
8: Kyrie eleison.
11: Kyrie eleison.
8: Let us pray. O oh God, whose abundant grace prepared St. Henry to be raised to by you in a wonderful way from the cares of earthly rule to heavenly realms. Grant, we pray, through his intercession that amid the uncertainties of this world we may hasten toward you with minds made pure. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever.
11: Amen.
6: A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, Woe to Assyria, my rod in anger, my staff in wrath. Against an impious nation I send him, and against the people under my wrath I order him to seize plunder, carry off loot, and tread them down like the mud of the streets. But this is not what he intends, nor does he have this in mind. Rather, it is in his heart to destroy, to make an end of nations, not a few. For he says, By my own power I have done it, and by my wisdom, for I am shrewd. I have moved the boundaries of peoples, their treasures I have pillaged, and like a giant I have put down the enthroned. My hand has seized like a nest the riches of nations, as one takes eggs left alone, so I took in all the earth. No one fluttered a wing, or opened a mouth, or chirped. Will the axe boast against him who hews with it? Will the saw exalt itself above him who wields it? As if a rod could sway him who lifts it, or a staff him who is not wood. Therefore, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, will send among his fat ones leanness, and instead of his glory there will be kindling like the kindling of fire. The word of the Lord.
2: Thanks be to God.
6: The Lord will not abandon his people. The Lord will not abandon his people. Your people, O Lord, they trample down. Your inheritance they afflict. Widow and stranger they slay. The fatherless they murder. The Lord will not abandon his people. And they say, The Lord sees not, the God of Jacob perceives not. Understand, you senseless ones among the people, and you fools, when will you be wise? The Lord will not abandon his people. people. Shall he who shaped the ear not hear, or he who formed the eye not see? Shall he who instructs nations not chastise? He who teaches men not have knowledge? the Lord will not abandon his people. For the Lord will not cast off his people, nor abandon his inheritance. But judgment shall again be with justice, and all the upright of heart shall follow it. The Lord will
8: not abandon
11: his people. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Hallelujah, Blessed are you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have revealed to little ones the mysteries of the kingdom. Alleluia, alleluia.
12: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Jesus exclaimed, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. The Gospel of the Lord.
6: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
12: I was giving a retreat to some missionaries of charity, the sisters of Mother Teresa, and there was a young sister, and I remember asking her, uh, kind of testing how do you think Jesus treats arrogant nuns? What is, how, does he, how, does he, how does he look at them? And she looked like she was boxing. She was like, "Yeah, pop, suck him, you know, hey, give him a give him a wallop." And I said, with consummate humility, with gentleness, with tenderness, that's what he responds with our arrogance. And the first reading is a sign of that. That even he uses the arrogance of nations to bring about his plan in history, because he is the Lord of history. He also uses our arrogance, even our sin, in bringing us to God. And the way that he does this is he allows us to see how merciful he is to us in the midst of our folly. And by his patience and by his compassion, he shows us how to act towards others, even when they're arrogant. And they're not childlike, when they're not meek and gentle and patient and like the rest of like that we're supposed to be. And the other thing he t- shows us there is that even in the interior life, even in the call to holiness, even in the life of prayer, we need to get rid of all self-sufficiency and all arrogance. The fundamental disposition of being in union with God is humility. In fact, St. Augustine famously said, what three things do you need for the, the spiritual life? Humility, number two, humility, number three, humility. Three different kinds of humility. And this is what, what it means to be childlike. The most excellent way of doing this, of really renouncing all self-sufficiency, is consecration to Jesus through Mary. To do all things through, with, in, for, by Jesus Christ, by doing them through, with, in, for, by Mary. Because what consecration to Mary means is that at every action, every thought, every movement of your interior, you're saying God alone knows how to do this. God alone knows how to pray, how, how to love, how to, uh, how to practice the life of virtue. And it's a, it's a deep renunciation of your own capacity, your own instrumentality, Because looking at the instrumentality of the Virgin Mary, you see that that was her fundamental disposition to constantly worship God by prostrating herself before his majesty in everything she does. And that's the fundamental disposition she teaches us. And one of the things she brings us to is worship of Jesus Christ in the most holy Eucharist. It was in the Eucharist that he said, that the Father will draw all to the Son. The Father is the one who brings us to the Eucharist, just like it says in in this passage here, that the Father, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal Him. Even in Trinitarian communion, we have to have this renunciation of self-sufficiency. Only God knows how to relate to God. And so we ask God in this... Holy Mass for this disposition of the Blessed Mother, that we can prostrate ourselves before God. So she is our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, and she shows us that especially, how to relate, how to have a personal relationship with the Father, a personal relationship with Jesus, our Eucharistic Lord and Savior, and a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, our Evangelizer and Sanctifier. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may shine forth the resplendent holiness of Jesus Christ. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may lead the church with wisdom and courage. We pray to the Lord.
6: Lord, hear our prayer.
12: We pray for government leaders, that they may not obstruct Jesus Christ. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, that we respond to Jesus in his distressing disguise. For this, we pray to the Lord.
6: Lord, hear our prayer. We
12: pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary's, we pray. Hail Mary, full, Hail Mary, full of grace, Mary, the, the Lord, Lord is, is with you. thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women, Lord, and blessed is, is the, the fruit of, of thy womb, womb Jesus. Jesus. Holy, holy Mary, Mary, Mother of, of God, God, pray pray for for sinners, God, pray for us sinners, now and at, at the hour of our death. death. Amen.
11: O Lord, the giver of all life, whose ways are ever just, your people lift their hearts to you in praise and prayer and trust. Protect the lives of those unborn, let laws reflect your will. Give us your strength to work for life that man may cease to kill. Help us to know your will for us. Give courage for the fight. Dismiss our doubts, renew our hearts to struggle for the right. O Mother of the Crucified, who pour the Lord of life, for every mother intercede, be with us in our strife. Lord Christ, to whom each soul is dear, for whom each child has worth. Receive your children who have died before their time of
6: birth.
12: Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father.
6: May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church.
12: Through the present oblation, O Lord, which we offer in commemoration of St. Henry, Bestow on your faithful, we pray, the gifts of unity and peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you.
6: And And with your spirit.
12: Lift up your hearts.
6: We lift them up to the Lord.
12: Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It
6: It is is right and and just.
12: It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, for you are praised in the company of your saints, and in crowning their merits you crown your own gifts. By the way of life, you offer us an example. By communion with them, you give us companionship. By their intercession, sure support. So that encouraged by so great a cloud of witnesses, we may run as victors in the race before us and win with them the imperishable crown of glory through Christ our Lord. And so with angels and archangels, the great multitude of saints, we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim.
11: Song to whose... Song to Dominus song to Stominus, deus sabaud, pleni sunt terra gloria tua. Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini.
12: with St. Henry, and with all the saints, on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant, Francis our Pope, Michael our bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you summoned before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good.
8: Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honor is yours forever and ever.
11: Amen. Recepti solitaribus
8: monite et divini institutioni formati audemus ticere Pater noster prives in
11: sanctificator nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tuha, sicut in cielo vet terra, panem nostrum cotidianum, ta nobis hodie et dimite nobis debita nostra, Qui tolis peka ta mundi mi sever on you stay Kwe tolis peka mundi mi on you stay Qui tolis dona no Dona pa
12: Behold the Lamb of God. Behold Him. Who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb.
6: Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
12: Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, says the Lord.
6: An Act of Spiritual Communion My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart.
11: Be Thou my vision, O Lord of my heart All else be not to me save that Thou art Thou my best thought by day or by night Waking or sleeping, Thy presence my light Be Thou my wisdom and Thou my true word. I ever with Thee and Thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, Thine own may I be. Thou in me dwelling and I one with Thee. High King of Heaven, when victory is won, May I reach Heaven's choice, bright Heaven's sun. Heart of my heart, whatever befall, Still be my vision, O ruler of all.
8: Let us pray. May the sacrament we have received, O Lord, in commemoration of St. Henry sanctify our minds and hearts that we may merit to be made sharers in the divine nature through Christ our Lord.
11: Amen.
6: The Lord be with you. And And with with your spirit. spirit. May Almighty God bless you. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
12: Go in the peace of Christ.
6: Thanks, Thanks be to God. Christ.
11: Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity Most Holy Immaculate Virgin Mary You are The mother of God Himself. You are the queen of all creation. You are the keeper of heaven's treasure. You are our help and protection. Grant us your intercession and may your favor never fail us. Our Lady.
7: The prayer to St. Michael.
5: St. Michael, the Archangel.
13: I peace always in the name of Christ our Lord, Amen.
7: Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
0: Thank you so much for listening to